Good morning. Hope you guys are doing well this morning. Great to see you. A lot of faces. It's amazing when you stand up here and you go, whoa, there's a lot, there's a lot of people here today. So great to see you. Um, I was told this by a fifth grader. Do something. That was told to me by a friend of mine more than 15 years ago, maybe more. His name was Ozzy Vargas. Ozzy uh, was a fifth grader, and I was a staff pastor at a local church in Apex. And Ozzy and I went visiting together, and we actually were visiting someone who had come to our church, and yes, we went unannounced, which is, gee, a great strategy today, right? (laughs) And so at that time, we showed up to this family's house. It was a young family. And we started with the, what we know as the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and started explaining that the gospel is good news, and the bad news is that we're sinners, and the good news is that Jesus saves. And we walked through it, and she said, and I'll never forget this, lady just stood there. She said, wait, 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 I got, I got something to tell you right now. If I die today, I'm going to hell. Ozzy, big eyes, fifth grader, looks at Pastor Matt, and says, do something. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? And, and, and it's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Well, we had the privilege, Ozzy and I, of explaining Jesus to her. And I, I'm not sure exactly what happened that day. She, she prayed to receive Christ. I'm not sure what happened. Did she become a disciple? I'm just saying that that's what took place that day. We, we shared Christ, and in, in the midst of that, we watched the Lord um, bring her to a place where she could accept Christ. What I, what I want us to, to consider is, is what are we here to do as a church and as citizens of the kingdom? You know, what's dangerous is that we can look at the world right now and we can look at it at beliefs as citizens of the kingdom, first and foremost, and we can be very discouraged and we can be uh, in, in great despair. We can look at the world and we can sit there and say, oh my gosh, you won't believe what's going on in here. The world is going down the drain. I play pickleball with a guy and I walk up to him and he says, Preacher, this is what he calls me. I'm not really fond of the title, but anyway, he said, the world's going, it's going, it's going down the drain. It's just, it's just going down the drain. There's just nothing that we can do about it. It's going down the drain. We just got to keep praying. And then in the next verse, he says, hey, who's going to meet me here on Sunday morning to play? <laughs> oh, boy. Um. We can sit here and we can look at the status of the world and we can sit there and say, there are a lot of things that are going on that are not good. And we can have so much despair that what takes place is we lose the privilege and the honor of living our lives with an open faith and truly seeing that God is doing something in the world right now. He is moving. 
He is ushering in his kingdom. He is getting us ready. I am so encouraged to be a member of Northwest Community Church for what God is doing in our midst right now. Talking about 3 a.m. friends. Talking about picking up the six. Talking about being an embassy of, of the local expression of God's church. Remember what Ryan talked about last week. I mean, for several weeks, what we've been talking about is what does it mean to be a member of the church? We've, we, we've seen that God is working. One of the things that I have been privileged to do is a couple of weeks ago, I went on a, a trip with my dad to San Francisco. And some of you have heard me share this. I just can't get over I was so encouraged to go to San Francisco with my dad to see his favorite baseball team play. And on the way over there, we had a gospel conversation with this lady named Michelle who was working with homeless people in the name of Jesus. And at the end of, the, end of our conversation, at the end of the flight onto San Francisco, she said, don't call the Uber. Let me just take you to your hotel. You're my new friends in Jesus. My dad and I looked at each other and we said, okay, sure. She drove us to the hotel. We got there, and um, her, her, her husband was, was, was the driver. He's suffering from prostate cancer. My dad's a survivor. We got to pray in Jesus' name over them, over him. On the way back, we saw a man who was a PhD student at Yale University, and he talked about how you wouldn't believe the gospel um, influence that's going on in the Northeast, specifically around New Haven and Yale. Talk to me about his wife is running a ministry for Yale students, specifically the discipleship of sophomore girls. And then there was Jose in the, in the, um, in the hotel who would bring us ice. We didn't have any ice in the room. He would bring us ice. And, and Dad and I got to talk to him about Jesus. And, and he goes, in my broken English, I was like, Dios te bandiga, or broken Spanish, Dios te bandiga, Jesus te ama, which is God bless you, Jesus loves you. And he, his broken English, he said, I'm Christian. <laughs> and every night he would come back to our room to bring us some ice, and he would, be, he would sit there with a big smile on his face and goes, I'm Christian. And he would give me this thing of ice. And I was like, me too. And so what I want us to see right now is I want us to not forget where our citizenship is, first and foremost. And our text in Philippians, that's really what it's talking about. So that as we live with an open faith, we will not forget our first home. We're, we're passing through right now. Our home is heaven. And God has left us here to live lives with an open faith to make much of him with the advancement of the gospel. It is an honor and it is a privilege to see that and to do that. And I was so encouraged on our trip to know that God is moving. And so if you find yourself in just despair about what is going on in the world, I, I get that. I understand that. But when we look at the text of scripture and we look at what Paul is writing about, we want to be members of the kingdom of God. God is doing something. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and the Gentile. 
And he also wrote in the book of Philemon, there is the book of Philemon that says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you may have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ Jesus. When we fail to live as members of God's kingdom or live with an open face, then we will get in great despair and sulk and be isolated. But when we live with an open faith, we have what's called Christian hope that what God said he was going to do, he's going to do. And he's invited us to sort of be a part of that as a local expression of the kingdom. So we gather in here to just see, God, what would you have us to do as you have placed us in this part of Wake County, in this part of North Carolina, you have sovereignly positioned and placed us here to make much of you. How can we collectively do that together? Well, in Philippians chapter 1, 27 through 30, I'm going to get to there in just a minute. Um, we got a couple of verses that we're going to go through. We'll read it a little bit and explain it, read a little bit, and then we'll have two points there at the end. That's what we're going to do. But I want to give you some background over the city of Philippi. The city of Philippi was, was in 42 BC. Philippi was um, a place many Roman soldiers had fled to and set up life. Um, they were a Roman colony. If you were to walk into Philippi at this time, you would look at it and say, oh, this is Rome, because it looks like Rome. The inscriptions on the coins, the architecture, this looks like Rome. That's what you would do when you would go in there. Many of the people who tried, there was a big battle that took place where the assass, those that assassinated Julius Caesar they fled to Philippi. They landed in Philippi. And again, a lot of soldiers were there. And so again, they set up life. And so what was taking place is that many of them were extremely, extremely prideful over their Roman heritage and um, living. So there was, a, there was, as a Christian living in this place, there was a war inside going on whether your allegiance was to your Roman heritage or your Roman liking or your Roman loyalty, or was it to Christ as a citizen of heaven? And so Paul comes and he writes this letter to them. Well, first, before he wrote the letter, of course, he came there on his second missionary journey to plant the church. He had three missionary journeys, and one of the, church, one of the churches that he planted was in Philippi. And so he did, this is the first church on European soil that was ever planted. Paul plants his church on the second missionary journey, and then he leaves them. Paul is then later in house arrest, and he writes them a letter to encourage them and to thank them all that they have done to partner with him in the gospel. So Paul, of course, wrote many letters from prison, from house arrest. One of the letters, of course, is Philippians and he has such joy for them, and he's, he's grateful for them because they supported his ministry in the advancement of the gospel. Paul would go out, preach the gospel, and plant churches. That's what he was doing. He was now sitting in house arrest, writing them a letter to help them to remember, first and foremost, where their true citizenship is. 
that they are not first and foremost Roman citizens or have Roman privilege, that they are citizens of the kingdom of God. And with that comes great honor and privilege and great responsibility. And so as what we want to do here at Northwest is we want to sit there and say, yeah, we've talked several weeks about what does it mean to be a member of God's family? What does it mean to be a member of the body of Christ? And what does it mean to be a member of a local church? And now we want to talk about what does it mean to be a member of the kingdom of God? What does it mean to be a member of the kingdom of God? And I think Philippians uh, 1, 27 to 30 is going to help us with that. And so there's the context in the background of why Paul was writing what he's getting ready to say. And so let's take a look at 27. We're just going to read a real short part of this and then talk about it. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So here's what's taking place. There's a war going on because they are citizens and they love and they are prideful of their Roman heritage there, their Roman heritage. So these are soldiers and Paul uses a word to describe let your manner of life, very hard to understand and explain, but what, they're try, what Paul is trying to get them to, to see is that your true citizenship is not in Rome, it is in heaven. He uses this political word. He knew how proud they were. He knew that they had allowed it to affect their love, that, that the way you're living and, and your allegiance to your city affects the way that you live and what you seek and what you do and how you conduct your lives. And so if Rome is your allegiance, then you are going to bow to Rome. And he's sitting there telling him, you have been redeemed. You have been transferred. You have been saved. You have been taken from the domain of darkness to light. And I want you to see that your citizenship is in Christ. It is the kingdom of God. Please don't miss that is what he's saying. As we partner together, here's what I want you to see. You are a citizen of heaven. And that's what he wants. You know, listen, I grew up in the suburbs all over the East Coast. And I can tell you this from my standpoint, that I, when I get into a suburb, I'm all in. So, I mean, I, I, you know, from, from Virginia when we lived in Dale City. I was like, Dale City is the greatest city that you ever lived in. I lived there until I was seven. We had Washington Redskins players and, and, and uh, staff living in our neighborhood. That was my favorite team at the time. I was in the early, uh, late 70s, early 80s. Then we moved and we moved to Pennsylvania and we lived in Reading, Pennsylvania. And man, I was all about that city. But once I got into sports and I got to Boston Lake, New York, I was like, Boston Lake is better than Round Lake. You are trash. We will slay you at every sport. I got incredibly, incredibly just fired up about the city that I lived in. I was all in. Boston Lake is better. Then I moved to, from New York State, we then moved to Connecticut. When we got to Connecticut, we were in South Windsor. And I was like, seriously, Vernon? You've got nothing on us. Okay, we beat you and the, bowl, and the Thanksgiving Bowl every year. We slayed you, we won, we're better. I mean, seriously, that right there, I, I was all in. Then, then, then we got to, then Dana and I set up shop in Apex, North Carolina. I went to every single Apex high school football game, every basketball game, had my sports pass. I was all in. And then I was sent to carry and I threw all the Apex stuff away. 
I am no longer over there. I am over here. Go PC, go PC, go. I mean, I'm all in. I mean, it's, it's seriously, this is, this is, this is where, we're, where we're talking about here. And so here's what Paul is trying to get them to understand. Yes, that is where you live, but that's not your home. That's where you live, but that's not your home. Because when you have your eyes in your city, whose builder and maker is God, as it says in Hebrews 11.10 about Abraham, he had his eyes fixed on whose builder and whose city, whose builder and maker is God. Yes, he was living in the land of Canaan. He was moving out into the land, the promised land. He was there. He was looking this way, but first and foremost, he was always looking above. God, I'm looking to you. That is my home. That's where I'm going. And what Paul is trying to get us to do here is, hey, listen, you are a partner with me in the gospel. And as you live with an open life, an open, open Bible, open life, and open faith, and what I want you to be about as a group is I want you to remember where your home is, where your citizenship is, first and foremost, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, who's repented of sins, placed your faith in Christ alone for salvation alone. That is your home, and that dictates how we live. That dictates our, our conduct as what he was talking about there. I... I um, was on the phone, I was talking to Molly. Oh my gosh, she's in college. She's loving it. She comes home really soon. I can't wait to see her. But, but I just, I, I saw her and we were talking on the phone about, you know, whatever you say that you do, that you live your life according to what you believe. Like if you believe this, then you live this. She says, Dad, I've really been, been, been reading about how you walk in light and not in darkness, and you, you walk in light, but you talk about the light, and you, you make sure that they're the same. And I was like, Molly, that's a lot of gospel truth. She goes, I know, I'm reading my Bible. <laughs> and see, when we do that, what happens when we read our Bible, we learn about where our citizenship is, we learn about what's important to the king so that we can live and get prepared for the kingdom. And we live as citizens of, of the kingdom. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their unbelief. So let us remember where our true citizenship is as members of the kingdom. And that's really what what Paul is trying to give us. And then how do we do this? He goes on further and he says, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side, here's the key, for the faith of the gospel. So why are we doing all of this? Why are we remembering our citizenship? Why are we standing and why are we striving? The last part of that verse is for the faith of the gospel. That's the reason that we do these things. But he uses this military term by standing. He uses it. I want you to stand. I want you to stand upright. I want you to get your, 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 your feet right. Okay, I'll, I'll say it again. I was playing pickleball. Okay, please don't judge me. Anyway, I was playing pickleball, and this guy that I was playing with, he says, Matt, you're hitting it in the net too much. I'm like, I know, but did you have to say that? 
He said, the reason you're hitting it in the net too much is because your feet aren't right. A good pickleball player has a good foundation. Oh, okay, so I get my feet right in order to hit the ball right. I didn't, I didn't pick that up. Um, so I want you to stand firm. And then the, the Philippians were attacked for believing in Jesus as king. And Paul says, I want you to remember that, that this is a war. And I want you to be ready for battle. So it says, I want you to stand firm. And then there were also a lot of Greeks in the area that they would go to these big open areas. Think of the movie Gladiator. And there would be a group of people fighting against another group of people. And he uses this term, striving side by side, which is an athletic term. Not a war term, but an athletic term. Because what he wants to see is he wants those to see that have this picture of this, this, this coliseum. I want you to see the importance of being side by side, being tethered together, so that when you're back, you're middle and you're front, you keep going back and forth. But you're doing this together, side by side. That's really what he's trying to get us to see. And so as we go and present the gospel, we're not alone in doing this because why? We do this in unity because we're tethered together. We're striving to stand firm and we are, we're striving to stand firm and we are doing this side by side. That's what we're doing. Let me illustrate this. Okay, Jake, I'm going to illustrate this. Come on, Jake, come here. Come on. Jake, come on. This is my son, Jake, okay? All right, here. Okay, this is, hold it, this is yours, this is yours. Okay, no more jokes. Yes, he's taller than me, okay? I get it. So in pickleball, it's very important when I'm serving or when Jake's serving that we are side by side, okay? So we're all the way to the back. Jake, come back here, come back here. So when Jake and I are playing pickleball, okay, Jake is serving and I'm here, okay? Jake serves the ball, the ball's returned. Then I return a great shot and out of the net. Then what do Jake and I do? Jake, what do we do? We move up together, side by side, with our feet ready and athletic stance ready to go because we got a firm foundation right here and we're ready to play the game. We do this side by side. Now, if I lob it up and they're going to smash it, Jake, what do we do? Okay, we back up. Okay, we back up. We're going to get it eaten. Okay, we're going to get eaten. We back up, but we do it together. So in pickleball, I want to let you know, what you do is you move together. You move together. You see what we're talking about? Jake, thank you. Take this. Love you, bye. You slayed it. Uh, um, and so, so here's what we do. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. Okay, so as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, what are we doing? What are you doing? We're tethered together in the mission that advances and heralds the greatest name in the entire universe. That's King Jesus. And listen, he's left us here breathing so that we would live with an open faith as a member of God's family, as citizens of, of the kingdom, whether it's Apex, whether it's Cary, whether it's Raleigh or Holly Springs or wherever it is. That's where we live, but that's not our home. And what we do is we represent him and we advance the gospel because that is what a church does. That's what a church does. Most, um, keep going. Look at verse 28. 
28 is this. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. He uses this word frightened. And he uses this word because he's talking about a horse. And here's what's taking place. In battle, they would take horses and they would try to spook the horse. They would come up behind the horse, beside the horse. If the horse got spooked or frightened or jumped, they wouldn't take it into battle. Because it wouldn't be effective. And so he's using that term to try to get them to understand, hey, listen, I don't want you because I live inside you, because I am equipping you, because I have the Spirit of God that has been deposited in you, that I want you to go forth and not be frightened by any of your opponents. They can laugh at us and they can mock us. And we can pray for them. Paul is, is, is very clear. What I want you to do is I want you to live with an open faith because you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and I want you to be brave and courageous. So I want you to be a brave and courageous soldier. Go on in the next part of the verse there. This is a clear sign to them that they're destruct, of, their of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Question for you right now, where is Paul Okay, he's in house arrest in prison. He's not able to go freely and stuff like this. Why is he in prison? Because he's preaching the, he's preaching the gospel. And so what he's telling them right now is, hey, listen, you're going to suffer. It is going to come through God's sovereign hand. He's going to allow it to come to your life for, for your growth, but also to represent that, hey, you're doing something right. Nothing is ever wasted in the hand of God. Nothing is ever wasted in his sovereign hand. And so here's, here's what I, I have. Two things that I want to share with you. Like what are our lessons? What are our overall lessons? First lesson that I want us to see is very clearly that we remember where our home really is. I think we've really hit that pretty hard in the message this morning. I I want you to realize that whether you write down Mooresville or Cary or Raleigh or Holly Springs or New Hill or Apex, whatever the case is, but that we, we recognize our citizenship is in heaven. 2827 Cameron Pond Drive is my address, but it's not my home. might be semantics, but I think you get the point. Northwest, I don't want us to lose sight that while we are here, that we can do all, that all we can do through the power of God's spirit. Remember, this is not something that we can do on our own. What do we say? How do we say it? What if they're belligerent? What if they say this? What if they say that? How do I operate as a citizen of the kingdom and share and live a life of open faith? What if they say something I don't understand? Just tell them you don't understand. Tell them you'll find out. We do this in the power of the Holy Spirit. I love, I love what 
living with an open faith is presenting the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit and just leave the results to the Lord. When we live and talk in a way, when people come to this place, they'll be encouraged because of this local assembly. Like when people come to Northwest Community Church, what do they see? We want them to recognize, as Ryan has so clearly stated over the last three weeks, that this is not a performance and this is not about a person. This is not about a personality here. It's clearly about a relationship with Jesus Christ that we are here, that we operate, and that how we live. And that we want this place to be a local embassy. What a beautiful illustration he used last week of embassy, a place where we get reminded, oh, this is what the kingdom is going to look like. And it motivates us and it stirs us up and it allows us to go out to do love and good deeds. And one of those good deeds, of course, is living life with an open faith. The second thing I want you to see as we're, um, uh, Matt and Scott, you guys can come. The second thing I want you to see is that we remember we have each other, whatever comes our way. Here's what takes place in the book of Philippians. He starts out by calling them servants, and then he calls them saints, and then he addresses them as as soldiers. And as he's talking to them, he's telling them, here, I want you to see this. I want you to strive. I want you to stand, and I want you to, you're going to suffer. So we stand, we strive, and we suffer with an open face heralding the gospel of Jesus to advance the kingdom because we're citizens of heaven. And here's the good thing. We do that together. We don't do it alone. We're tethered together. We're moving in the same direction, talking about who he is, what he wants to do. We know that this is not a playground. This is a battleground. And we know that our membership, we are members of the kingdom of God. Now I want you to go back to Ozzy's statement to me and what he said. He didn't say it verbally, but he said it with his eyes. I don't know if I made that clear. He looked at me. He looked at this girl who said this. He looked at me, and he looked at the girl, and he looked at me, and he looked at the girl, and I was like, stop looking at me. As a little fifth grader, and he was like, do something. And so we can do something. And what is that? We talk about the one who can do something. That's what we do. Ozzy was looking at Pastor Matt to do something. And here's what we do. We talk about the one who can do something. And we talk about the one who did something in us and is doing something in us. And that is King Jesus who is the king of the kingdom. May our conduct be worthy of our citizenship that is in heaven, for he deserves it. I love you guys. Let's pray. God, I love you, and I thank you for today, and I thank you for the honor and the privilege of being up here to encourage us as citizens of your kingdom. Lord, may we strive together may we stand together strive together and may we suffer together may we do that courageously 
May we recognize that we are here and we are passing through, but may our eyes be fixed on the city whose builder and maker is God. That is our ultimate home. You are our ultimate, you are our God. You are the God. You call the shots. You are the one who tells us what to do. May we live in such a way that demonstrates our true heritage, our true home. May we do that for your glory and our good. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen.